Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by UNA, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Robert Chachkovic. Robert is a sourcing buyer for Bugatti Remok, a Croatian company that develops and produces cutting-edge hypercars. He has been in procurement since college and is currently completing his MBA with a master's thesis focused on improvements of procurement processes in the automotive industry. So I'm very much learning, looking forward to learning more about this. Robert, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you very much, Kelly. Thank you for having me. So I talked a little bit about where your work and where you're focusing as far as your studies go. But what else do you think it's good for people to know about your professional experience? Um, well, I would say that uh, for, as you mentioned, for the last 10 years, I have been involved in procurement activities across fast-moving consumer goods and automotive industry. So ever since my, my college days, my first job position was as a purchasing specialist in one of Croatian's meat processing companies. Um, so basically there I learned how to be fast, resourceful, be proactive and uh, basically learned the basics of purchasing. Um, their inputs uh, were changing quickly, demand was volatile and pretty much something was always late. Um, <laughs> so my, so my manage, test management skills got um, tested every day. Um, after that, uh, I have moved to one of Croatian's sheet metal processing companies, uh, basically to the company which produces various products uh, for mainly German automotive OEMs. And actually, that was my first contact with the automotive industry, the industry that is even more demanding and uh, KPI oriented than uh, FMCG. And no, I... one. Yeah, oh, go one, ahead. I'm sorry. One, no worries. One one thing led to to another, and pretty much one year la later, I started to work in Rimac Automobili, a Croatian's first automotive company that develops and produces hypercars. And today, five years later, I am working as a sourcing buyer in Bugatti Rimac, uh, and my main focus is on sourcing and contacting suppliers for our new project. Now, I imagine a lot of the people listening in today are very jealous of the fact that you've had the opportunity to invest in your procurement skills uh, at the secondary education level. So it really sets you apart that in addition to having experience in procurement, you've also made the choice to incorporate it into your MBA studies. How do you feel that this opportunity has helped your career? Well, uh, definitely working in Rimac Automobili for the last five years was, I would say, very intensive. But luckily, I had an opportunity um, to watch firsthand how companies being transformed from startup to corporation. And working in procurement, uh, I mean, along this process, somehow, you know, you're always exposed to various process optimizations and changes that are constantly going around. 
So to be honest, actually that experience encouraged me to gather my thoughts, gather my ideas and try to incorporate them uh, into my MBA studies. What is interesting is that the greatest benefit that I got uh, from that was actually a broader way of thinking and approach on how to do procurement. Because, um, you know, basics on how companies are doing procurement these days is already well known. But actually collecting new ideas and implementing them in your everyday work uh, makes a greater difference. So it showed me uh, that there isn't always one right way how to do something or how to overcome certain process bottlenecks. But actually there is a variety of solutions that can be applied um, into getting the, the final result that you want in the end. That That's fantastic. And I, I love that idea that you're collecting new information, putting it into practice, but maybe most importantly, that there's not one right solution for any of these challenges. Now, I'm interested in whether there are any trends, whether procurement trends or supply chain or top news stories that you're monitoring that tie back specifically mm -hmm. to your work in automotive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, uh, to be honest, in general, I like to keep track on all new procurement trends that are currently ongoing. So, for example, uh, I think that LinkedIn is a great media platform through which you can gain free access to a variety of procurement topics of your interest, of course. Uh, but also, uh, these days, many procurement professionals are, you know, openly sharing their own knowledge and insights um through their own newsletter so simply what you need to do is subscribe to the newsletter and you get a fresh batch of procurement knowledge uh, daily um but currently what interests me the most uh, is of course the whole i would say ai and chat gpt implementation within procurement um basically based on the information that i uh, managed to gather so far uh, i think that this will certainly uh, simplify our everyday work and make, I would say, maybe majority of these tedious procurement tasks uh, that we need to do daily much quicker, much functional. Um, but how to actually implement these services within the everyday operation? Well, yeah, that's the that's the question that is open for discussion, I would say. Yeah, and it's interesting because I, I think 2023 is definitely going to be the year that we all look back on and realize, mm -hmm. okay, OpenAI, ChatGPT hit, everybody started experimenting with and brainstorming how can we apply this. To your point about applying new technologies to some of the more tactical or laborious uh, tasks that procurement is responsible for, a lot of times the goal is getting those things off of our plates so that we can invest in strategy, invest in relationships. Mm -hmm. And I know just enough about automotive to sort of be dangerous and to know that strategic supplier relationships are incredibly critical. So uh, my, my question for you is sort of twofold. Can you talk a little bit about the nature of your relationships with your most strategic suppliers, but then also how you keep that all in balance with your internal stakeholders? For, for sure, for sure. So basically, uh, currently we are imagine, ma managing our most strategic suppliers, uh, as you mentioned, as, as our business partners. So. Um, these are these are usually the the companies uh, that have let's say the greatest influence or potentially greatest impact on the overall 
um, company's business in operation or ongoing projects uh, that, that the company has. Uh, so how to how do we manage it? So what we usually do is uh, pretty basic. So we have uh, internal weekly meetings uh, where all the internal stakeholders uh, from various company departments are present. Uh, for example, that would mean uh, my colleague from sales, logistics, finance, procurement, and we openly discuss uh, and comment on the ongoing project uh, tasks and uh, we agree on how to resolve them. Um, so basically, in the end, once this is done, information or feedback can be shared to external parties, uh, suppliers in this case, uh, and, and basically we continue uh, working on them. So in one way, they are our definitely partners and mm -hmm. uh, the goal is in the end the, the same, uh, getting developing the final product and getting the, the final product to, on our stock, on, on our warehouse. Now, given that strategic suppliers, I, I like the idea of considering them business partners, do you also in some cases end up working into the supply chain? So potentially having contact with your tier two, tier three suppliers and even beyond? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, depending on the complexity of the system or on the automotive part that I'm uh, trying to source, Basically, this dictates my future supplier structure. So, for example, if the part is a more complex one, uh, meaning it has, let's say, multiple subcomponents in its assembly, or uh, the, 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 the final product includes various types of technologies, uh, which one supplier cannot develop or produce by its own, um, then we definitely go with the route of introducing tier two supplier or suppliers, which are then um, in the end, working with the tier one on the final product. Um, of course, this relationship is usually governed with some kind of a, a RASIC matrix just to smoothen the process and in the end, decision-making about the final, final goal. Now, clearly you're somebody who likes to learn, likes to read, and, and even the fact that you've continued your studies at the graduate level while doing all of this work is incredibly impressive. How do you find that it all comes together? So where would you say that your day job, as it were, and then mm -hmm. your studies or your work on your master's thesis sort of come together? Um, I would say that uh, we have a bit referenced this in a, already in our previous discussion, but uh, I would say that the touch point between both uh, can be easily found in the everyday work activities, let's say on a daily level. Um, I mean, uh, one of the main drivers why I wanted to get some fresh uh, optimization ideas and incorporate them within my master thesis was actually to investigate what is necessary uh, to make a process, let's say, more leaner and more uh, robust. Uh, so, yeah, I would say a connection uh, between the, the two can be found on, uh, on a daily level. And it's interesting because this idea of making it both leaner and also more robust, that's an unbelievable challenge. A, a lot of the conversations that I've been having recently are about uh, maybe a shift that's underway where the last mm -hmm. couple of years, people have been so focused on making sure supplies show up or making sure risks don't disrupt an operation. 
And the the early thought is that 2024 is going to bring a return to focus on cost, but we can't let go of that risk element either. And Absolutely. so those two yeah. and the friction between them, I think, is going to continue to be a challenge. You picked an excellent topic to study. Thank you very much. Absolutely. So on one side, mitigating the, the risks uh, are, are, is the most crucial point that, uh, you know, a, a company or in, in this case, a procurement can can do because uh, our eyes always needs to be on, on the long game uh, and pretty much uh, on, on our long strategy. Of course, along the way, we are always, uh, as you mentioned, focused on the overall daily, weekly, monthly battles that, that we are doing. But uh, yeah, the, the goal is much, much uh, longer, I would say. Yeah. Now, Robert, before I let you go today, I, I want to take you through a, a tradition here at The Sourcing Hero. I have two questions that I'm going to ask you. You can choose either one. It's entirely up okay. to you. And there are no wrong answers. So everybody will be waiting to find out what you've picked and what your thoughts are. But first, for anybody that's listening in for the first time, let me give you those two questions. The first one is, what does the idea of a sourcing hero mean to you? And the second option is, what would you say heroism looks like in a business context? Oof, these are these are the tough ones. Um, <laughs> these, we ask the big tough questions at the end of the conversation. At the end, at the end. <laughs> well, I think that in in general, you know, based on my um, so far experience working in procurement, uh, I think it requires a lot of adaptability, productivity, and a wide range of uh, managing various tasks and stakeholders simultaneously, in order to then achieve the final result that that you want to achieve in in the end. So I think that everyone who is a procurement professional and everyone who is, uh, you know, bravely fighting this procurement battle uh, that, that we are fighting on a daily basis can def definitely consider themselves as a sourcing hero, at least in my book. So I would just say, you know, keep pushing, guys. Uh, we can do this together, definitely. Agreed. And, and that's sort of back to your point about LinkedIn, right? There's all of these resources available to all of us, but we are also available to each other. Um, and I think to the extent that we're there to brainstorm, you know, take an idea from retail or FMCG, like you said, and move mm -hmm. it over into automotive, right? Every opportunity creates a, a new spark of ideas. Um, now, Robert, if people are meeting you for the first time through this conversation, and maybe they want to learn about your studies, or maybe they're curious on your perspective on AI or, or automotive. What is the best way for them to reach out and get in touch with you? Well, I would say that, honestly, I'm not a big fan of social media. So the only site that I use on a daily basis is actually LinkedIn. Um, so if everybody, if anybody wants to get in contact or get in touch, feel free to use my LinkedIn page um, or my private email robert.tsatskovits at gmail.com. Excellent, Robert. Thank you so much for being with me today and sharing your point of view. Thank you very much, Kelly. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for The Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. 
Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.